Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the New Books Network. I am Melek Frat Altai, a musician and a neuroscientist by training. I will be your host today, and we will be talking to Mohib Kostandi about his new book, Body Am I? The New Science of Self-Consciousness, how the way we perceive our bodies plays a critical role in the way we perceive ourselves. Stories of phantom limbs, alien hands, anorexia, and other phenomena. Hello, Mo. I'm very pleased to welcome you to the podcast. Um, so how are you today? How was your week? Oh, very well. Thanks. Uh, it's going well so far. Thank you. Okay, great. Um, so before we start discussing your book, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, how did you become interested in what you do? Yeah, of course. Well, I, uh, I got interested in in uh neuroscience through uh psychology i i studied psychology and i had a a fantastic uh psychology teacher who taught taught us a lot about about the brain uh, about stroke patients and split brain patients and and so on so i decided to study neuroscience um but i didn't i didn't really have the the patience to do research in in <laughs> the lab and uh and so eventually i started writing about brain research in instead and that was about 17 or 18 years ago and i've been doing that ever since wow Amazing. And uh, how did you come to write this book in particular? Well, it was uh, about 10, 10 years ago or so, 10, 11 years ago, I wrote a series of, of articles or blog posts that all revolved around the same uh, subject of the the body image or, or how we perceive our bodies and, and and how these perceptions can be uh, distorted and and I uh, I realized that that they were all based on on this same theme and so I started looking into the subject and and found a lot of related material and and thought that it would make a very uh, interesting subject for for a book. Okay, so uh, what would be the one sentence pitch of your book if you were asked for one? How would you uh, summarize it in a way? Well, I I would summarize it as being about how how we perceive our bodies and and how those perceptions can be distorted by 
everyday experiences and injuries and disease yes yes this is this is very interesting and um in the book um you present several concepts such as self-consciousness as you said bodily awareness body ownership so how do you define and differentiate these concepts well consciousness is is very hard to define we still can't define it adequately and um in the in the early 90s when when researchers started using brain imaging to to examine brain function they they studied consciousness by by measuring the brain's responses to external stimuli to to visual stimuli as they drift in and out of conscious awareness for example so they were looking for what they called the neural correlates of consciousness but that really ignored half of the problem because consciousness isn't just about being aware of what's going on in the outside world it it means it means being aware of of one's self uh right. one, one and and uh one's relationship to to one's surroundings and and so consciousness is partly awareness of the out the the self and one's relationship to their surroundings and so in in my book i i argue that bodily awareness or our experience or our and rather our knowledge of our bodies is a is a key component of self consciousness and uh, i also argue that self uh, or bodily self consciousness should i say consists of two main components one of those is is a sense of what we call body ownership the sense that my body belongs to me and uh, there are very complex brain mechanisms un underlying our our ability to distinguish our our self from from non-self and and uh so bodily awareness it describes this uh sense of of how we know that our body belongs to us and we distinguish it from from non-self and right. uh, the the other component of of bodily self-consciousness is the sense of agency and this is the the sense that we're in control of our bodies and are responsible for our actions and uh, so we know that body ownership and agency are related but 
are separate and independent from one another. We know this because, but uh, partly because both of these senses can be disturbed while the the other one remains unaffected in in various uh, in various conditions occurring as a result of different types of brain damage. Right. And um, in your book, uh, Body and I, um, you also discuss uh, quite uh, a range of different um, illnesses and conditions. Um, could you describe some of these uh, disorders that affect uh, agency or body ownership and um, which aspects of these uh, disorders or distortions uh, uh were interesting for you of course so there are a lot of conditions where bodily self awareness uh is uh is disrupted uh so a lot of them are are extremely rare uh, so for example there's a uh, a condition called alien hand syndrome uh, which which uh a small minority of of stroke patients experience and in in this condition the the patient uh, uh, acknowledges that uh, one of their limbs belongs to them but denies that they are in control of its of its actions so the the limb usually uh, usually an arm seems to take on a a life of its of its own and uh, the patient denies that that they are responsible for the actions of of the limb now there's a, another very rare condition called somatoparaphrenia which is really a, a very strong delusion that this uh that that a limb uh doesn't belong to the patient so they will insist even though they are in full control of its of its actions they will insist that it it doesn't belong to them and it actually belongs to somebody else so in one in one case agency is disrupted but ownership remains intact and in the other case agency remains intact but ownership is disrupted and now both of these conditions are extremely rare uh there's uh another very rare condition one which i find particularly fascinating called body integrity identity disorder where people grow up with the belief that one of one of their limbs usually a left leg for reasons that we still don't understand they should have been born without it uh, they they feel that it shouldn't be a part of their body and they will go to any lengths to have that limb amputated even though it's perfectly healthy and works perfectly well uh that's also an extremely rare 
condition, but there are other conditions that are uh, more common, such as uh, anorexia, for example. That's uh, an eating disorder, most uh, which which uh, I I can't remember off the top of my head how many people it it affects but it's but it's relatively it's relatively common at least far more common than something like alien hand syndrome or somatoparaphrenia or body integrity identity disorder and there's there is growing evidence that anorexia involves disturbances in bodily awareness uh, patients with anorexia might actually uh, view their bodies to be completely different than than they actually are but there's also evidence that these uh, uh, people with anorexia have great difficulty interpreting signals from inside their body especially especially signals from the gut relating to hunger and satiety and and thirst and uh, these uh, these uh, disturbances in in their bodily awareness are likely uh, big uh, contributors to their condition right so um are there any effective ways to treat or manage these types of disorders or none of the none of the conditions that that i've mentioned has has any effective treatment um but uh, uh if we, with with more understanding of of the mechanisms of of bodily awareness, we may eventually be able to develop ways to to treat these conditions. So, anorexia, for example, there is there is some evidence that altering certain aspects of how we perceive our bodies can can for for example altering the or manipulating rather the the sounds our our bodies make to give one example can actually alter how we perceive our bodies and and so in in the laboratory you can manipulate certain certain properties of of the for example the sounds that that the body makes so that people perceive themselves to be taller or shorter or lighter or heavier than they actually are and uh, so these findings could eventually lead to non-invasive non non-pharmacological ways of of uh, treating anorexia and various other conditions where perception of the of the body is uh, is altered or distorted right 
that, that would be a very um, a promising outcome, actually. Um, I want to um, ask you about um, if we look into the biology uh, uh, of, of how the self is represented in the brain, what do we know? How, how does the brain orchestrate the, the processes to generate a sense of self-consciousness? Well, the re research into, into this uh, subject has been, has been going on for a, a long time, at least since the late 19th through to the 20th century and uh we we know that we know that the the brain receives uh, a continuous stream of of information different types of sensory information from the body for example in information about the the position of the limbs touch information from from outside the body visual information and so on and what we think is happening is that the brain is combining all of these combining these multiple streams of of information in a in a process called multisensory integration to to generate maps and models of the body and there there appear to be multiple maps and, and models of the of the body encoded in various regions of of the brain and and these these maps and models seem to be critical not only for how we perceive our bodies but also for how how we use them for 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 planning movements and and so on and and so forth um one aspect that you discuss in your book um i found very interesting actually um the use of tools could the use of tools be part of our self-awareness? Well, yes, there's there's evidence that using a tool actually alters our body maps such that the, the brain the brain actually adapts adapts its map of the body to to incorporate the tool into it so it's it's as if learning how to use a a, a tool when when we become when we become proficient at, at using a, a particular tool that the brain seems to seems to treat the tool as as a part of the body as a almost as an extension of the body rather than an uh an uh a foreign object uh, this this idea goes back at, at least uh a hundred years or or so there's the british neurologist uh henry head worked with a lot of patients who had experienced damage to 
certain parts of their brain, particularly a, an area called the the parietal lobe, uh, which sort of lies sort of above above the ears. Uh, and he noticed that a lot of patients with parietal lobe damage had disturbances in in their in their awareness of their bodies and all, all sorts of different kinds of disturbances so they they may for example be unable to localize touch on a on a particular part of their body or 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 perhaps even neglect a part of their body and, and act as if it, it it doesn't exist and and head um head suggested that the the brain contains a model of the body that he called the the body schema and uh and and also suggested that uh, I'm paraphrasing now, but it's, he 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 wrote several two three hundred page papers in in the in the journal Brain about a hundred years ago or so, and uh, describing these patients and and uh, putting forward his his body schema theory. And in in one of those papers, he said something like the 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 body schema of a of a victorian woman extends to the to the tip of the feather in her hat or some something along those lines uh so he was essentially um proposing that clothing and 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 other things uh, become incorporated into our body schema or or body maps and and models that are generated in the brain and uh, modern research shows that this is uh, this is actually the the case so there are some experiments showing that when uh, participants use um use a mechanical grabber to touch distant objects they they can actually localize touch on on the the grabber so it, it is it is as if the the brain incorporates the grabber into into its representation of the body and treats it as an extension of the body rather than a foreign object. Right, amazing. Um, are humans unique in terms of being self-aware or do we see uh, this uh, phenomenon in, in um, non-human primates, for example, or in other animals? Well, yes, uh, we do. Uh, for a since uh, in about nineteen seventy, uh, the psychologists in, invented uh, they called it uh, the mirror self recognition test as a as a test of self awareness and. Um, used it to used it to study the development of of self-awareness in in infants 
for example and and we know that we know that human infants begin to recognize themselves in the mirror from from about 2 years of age onwards but of course there there's a lot of uh, variability and individual differences in in that but we we also know that uh, you you mentioned primates uh, that some some primate species also recognize uh, themselves in in the in the mirror and in in recent years this this mirror self recognition test has been performed on on various other species and and this uh self-awareness seems to be far more widespread throughout the animal kingdom than than we used to think it it was there are studies showing for example that the elephants recognize themselves in in the mirror um dolphins wow. can recognize themselves in in the mirror and uh, there's even um a number of studies published just last year i think uh suggesting that some species of of fish can can recognize themselves in oh wow the amazing mirror too yeah it is um well with regards to consciousness it, it's much harder to it's it, it's much harder to to um to show definitively that that any other animal or or even an, another person you know is uh is is uh is conscious but in in my book i i argue that first of all that bodily awareness is is a core component of self consciousness and i describe a number of studies showing that birds um e and even insects have um basic bodily awareness and so from my argument it must follow that if these if these organisms have uh, have basic bodily awareness then they must possess a basic form of self-consciousness so i i also uh, also describe uh, um, research in in uh, a, a number of ro robotics labs where they have uh, where they have designed and developed robots that can generate models of their body plan and can adjust their their gait their their walking when when they have one of their limbs removed so from from my argument it it would follow that even this these robots that generate these uh, body models and exhibit some aspects of uh bodily self-awareness may also possess self-consciousness as well or at least uh some basic form of self-consciousness wow and um 
So it's it's a real mystery, isn't it? And um, where do you want to see us head to in the future? Will we ever be able to solve the mystery of uh, consciousness I... or the duality between the brain and the mind? <laughs> uh, I personally don't think we'll ever fully understand uh, <laughs> con consciousness. Um, but there's there's been a lot of progress and and I, I'm sure there will be more uh, progress in our, in our understanding, especially of of uh, bodily awareness and uh, progress in our understanding of of these uh, these things could could or should eventually lead to, treatments for for most of the conditions that i've mentioned and and others and and also help it's already helping researchers to develop a uh, next generation of uh, prosthetic limbs for example that right. can provide sensory feedback to the the brain and and um and can be more readily incorporated into the the brain's mental representations of, of the of the body to make them feel more realistic and 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 allow much better control for the user right um, I imagine that um, um, writing this book must have been very fulfilling also in terms of the research that you did around it. Um, could you tell us uh, which discoveries in your research for Body MI surprised you the most? Well, I, I came across a lot of uh, very uh, su surprising things while I was uh, researching the the book one thing that comes to mind is these these experiments that i that i mentioned earlier where researchers manipulated the the sounds that the body can make to to alter the participants perceptions of their body to to bodies to to make them feel as if they were taller or or shorter or or heavier or or lighter than they actually were which which i think is quite uh remarkable and um some one group of of researchers is actually working on or has has worked on a, a project to develop what they call uh magic shoes that that are that are full of uh, full of sensors and 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 are attached to uh, headphones or or speakers, so they can deliver sounds that the body makes while we are walking and altering those sounds and delivering them in in real 
time into the into the user's ears and a, a device like that could could um, th theoretically be uh, be used to to treat conditions like anorexia or 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 obesity for example by by altering how people perceive their their bodies uh, so something something else that i i had a lot of fun reading about and and describing in in the book were sets of uh, experiments done in in the 1970s uh in um in psychiatric uh with psychiatric patients uh and we, we uh that were exploring how how the perception of the body is 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 altered in in conditions such as schizophrenia for example and uh, a, no a number of a number of these researchers built built these uh, very funny sounding contraptions in order to uh, in order to measure how how the psychiatric patients perceive their bodies so some of some one group built uh built a sort of a, adjustable door frame that that could um who whose whose height and and width could could be uh could be adjusted another group used a a, con a contraption with with mirrors that could bend in and in and out a bit a bit like the um you know the the like a hall of mirrors at at, at a fun fair that right, that, right, that yes. <laughs> distorts how you see your uh body is so a one one group of researchers built built this uh device with with uh mirrors on all sides that 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 can curve in and in and out to to distort the the patient's um reflection of of their of their board bodies in order to try to determine how their body perception was was uh was altered so that was uh that was uh it was a lot of fun reading about those uh reading about those um devices that the that the researchers uh built for their for their studies right i can imagine um so this has been a fascinating discussion and uh, I was wondering if you could tell us about your next project or what you are currently working on. Well, I'm at the moment. I'm I'm writing a a, a proposal for a book about about the uh, prion diseases, and these are a, a very interesting group of diseases that include. Um, mad cow disease and uh scrapey in sheep and there are there are several human forms including variant crutchfold 
Jakob disease. Right. And uh, most fascinating of all, to me at least, is uh, Kuru, which uh, which affected the uh, foray uh, peoples in uh, the eastern highlands of of Papua New Guinea, and is believed to have been transmitted throughout this tribe by by uh, ritual mortuary cannibalism. Uh, what makes these diseases uh, really fascinating is that the infectious agent is believed to be a misfolded protein, which, when consumed uh, in in one way or or another, it it can induce a normal cellular protein to to adopt an abnormal configuration and and aggregate within or around nerve cells as insoluble clumps so this uh right. so-called seeding mechanism was originally discovered in the prion diseases but it is actually now known to be common to most neurodegenerative diseases so for example alzheimer's disease parkinson's disease motor neuron disease uh even um cte chronic traumatic uh en encephalopathy which is which is linked to repeated concussions in 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 sports uh people all of these conditions are now known to involve the aggregation of um or the accumulation of clumps uh, insoluble clumps of of misfolded proteins there so they they all seem to share a a, a common uh, mechanism which was first discovered in these uh in this group of of diseases called the the prion diseases right and uh prion like uh, propagation is another mystery so these these sound like a really intriguing intriguing projects actually well yeah um, yeah Mo, thank you very much for being with us uh on the podcast today and thank you very much for uh for inviting me on <laughs>